Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. What the hell are they? They're us, that's all. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here. Welcome to Syndicate, a film and TV podcast. From our screens to your watch list, we gather to share and discuss your next favorite. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. And now, here's your host, Armand Haddad. Hello and welcome to another episode of Syndicates. My name is Armand and I'll be your guide as we take a trip to the Grindhouse Theater as this season will be all about the strange, the thrilling, and the exotic. Joining me are the hosts of the film podcast, Grindhouse Girls. Katie, Brittany, welcome to Syndicate. Hi Thank there. You. Hello. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad that you're finally here, and I'm doing a season on Grindhouse, so I had to get uh, the film podcast all about Grindhouse. So I have to ask right off the bat, what drew you towards Grindhouse cinema? Well, we created the podcast kind of because we felt there was kind of a lack of people talking about how certain movies like horror, like Grindhouse, that are super amazing movies get a little ignored, especially when award season comes around. And Grindhouse was kind of an all-encompassing thing for anything spooky, scary, strange, weird out there that just needed a voice. Yeah, And it's always been something uh, that has fascinated us. I know Britt is a huge Tarantino fan, and I know the Grindhouse what do we call it? Extravaganza that happened when we were teenagers, the double yep. feature. If you don't know what we're talking about, please watch it. And all Aww. subsequent movies like Machete and whatnot. Um, Hobo with a Shotgun was the other one that they actually made a film over. Or Don't by Edgar Wright, don't. which is only only a trailer, but it lives in my memory. Uh, that really, I love those movies, especially, um, the, now I'm blanking on the car one. Oh, oh, Planet, Ter- or sorry, Planet Terror. Planet and Terror then, and... Um, Death oh, proof. Like death, death proof. proof. Thank death you. Proof. Yeah. Uh, that really got me into watching more very, very out there movies. I love either really great movies or really terrible, weird, or just like low quality, but something fascinating about them. Well, I don't think we often talk about how horror movies have like this very 
you know, people think of horror and they think of like violence and gore, and they don't often think about the social satire and messages that are mm-hmm. underlying these movies. The movies are often very clever and they have a lot to say. And people, even like the movie we're doing today, you know, is uh, so what, 44 years old and people are still writing about this movie and the mm-hmm. message that he had while writing this movie. And it's just fascinating to think about. And that often goes missing under the blood and guts quite literally so yes like we did ganja and hess um i don't know if you've ever seen that true grindhouse film uh by uh bill gunn Mm -hmm. and actually stars Dwayne jones yeah who played ben in night of the living dead Dead. yeah and we were like oh what is this it's a vampire romance movie it's it's very erotic um but like soft core 70s erotic so like a lot of naked people lot, it's but not so much hardcore yeah a lot of hair we did stranger by lake that is hardcore and we did not know that know that when we yeah, went into it it was great yes but ganjin has is actually an allegory for addiction especially drug addiction oh, yeah and wow. the vampirism is drug addiction and actually the character goes through curing themselves by dying spoiler alert it's a really old movie but you should totally watch it and it's one of those movies where if the budget was bigger it would have been like something that went down in cinematic history as a masterpiece but because they had not the biggest budget like it's beautiful for what they had well also they wanted they wanted like this like they were like we want like a black vampire movie and then like he was like no i there's all these layers that he was thinking when he wrote the film like about addiction and they weren't really looking for art house film so they re-edited his movie and released it and it was awful it missed the point and he disowned the movie that they had it was called blood couple is what they had edited into and so it wasn't until years later that people got to really see ganja and hess as it was meant to be seen yes um, which is not black exploitation, yeah. like everyone calls it, which I I find mm. fascinating. Which is can be a really cool genre of film, though. Yeah. Um. But yeah. But it's the kind of stuff you miss because it's not that mainstream films are necessary, but necessarily bad. It's just like these type of films you don't always discover or hear people talk about. We wanted people to know about these movies because yes. they deserve to be known about. Also, Tony Collette oh. deserved an Oscar for Hereditary, and that was oh a big, yeah, we big... love Tony Collette. We're big. Tony That's Collette right. Yes, yeah, so. give Tony an Oscar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're saying that this uh blood couple quote blood couple movie mm-hmm. it's not like a blackula movie it's more no it's very dr- serious well it's serious but mm. it has a lot of the comedy that dawn of the dead has where it's like there's like funny conversations yeah the, the dialogue is really serious. funny so yeah. and they let the actors do a lot of like their own dialogue so mm-hmm. some of it was improvised but the movie was mm. called ganja and hess but they re-edited it into a film called blood couple and Blood Couple is the one that Bill Gunn, the director and writer, disowned because he's like, this yeah. isn't my movie. Ganja and Hess is my movie. And they um, re-edited Ganja and Hess to mm-hmm. be the version that he wanted. wanted because be. a lot of people that were in the movie were still alive when they re-edited it, including um, the musician who did all, and I'm blanking on his name. Oh my God, he fa- he he started following us on Instagram. <laughs> I love him so it's, much. I feel uh, that it's Nina Simone's brother yeah. did the music for it. The great Nina okay. Simone's great brother who also is a musician yeah and he puts like screams in the music it's really cool like the whole thing is like amazing i'm so mad i'm blanking on his name but he's really cool so that was probably the latest most grindhousey one we've done yeah i would say and uh spike uh spike lee just redid it a few years ago and renamed it the sweet blood of jesus da really yeah yes but i would say watch ganjin has first and then it's almost like his vision you know actually visualized in like stunning cinematic 
it's one of my favorite. It's a really good Spike Lee movie. Yeah. Um, I think Black Klansman is still a little hot, a little more entertaining, but it's a passion mm-hmm. project for Spike Lee. So I thought that was right. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will say that it's very obvious that you have so much knowledge when it comes to this genre. And I'm just completely blown away because I, similar to you, got into the genre because of Tarantino slash Robert Rodriguez's <laughs> film, Grindhouse, seen it in theaters. And that was truly an extravaganza that I haven't seen ever since. Like, that was truly an event within the movie theater. And from there, I watched, you know, so many B-movies, so many, like, really good grindhouse movies. But like, like you said, the thing that's holding all these films back is the budget because inherently these filmmakers don't have a lot of money, but they have, you know, big hearts and big brains. Yeah. They have passion. They have the chutzpah to make these awesome movies, but you need money to make them, you know, to make them bigger. But you know, you've got your Robert Eggers who started out with like, I mean, it had more budget than some, but the Vavitch is a very small cast, very small budget. And the passion is there. And now you have the Northman, which is like a cinematic, masterpiece it's right and i'm saying here shaking my head i'm like it's his most like cinematic film it's it's definitely his most this without meaning rudely it's his most mainstream film so it had the biggest budget and i think it has the most audience appeal but i mean the bitch like it had the smaller budget but you could tell it was like passion for him like he was in the language in the history in the lore of that time and i mean to for a movie for a movie literally set in what, like the 1600s, that is mm-hmm. spoken in that dialogue and that dialogue, Jacobian yes. English, and people still That's watched scary. it because they were like fascinated it by is. the movie, which it's is amazing. Well, he does that with all of his movies. Though. Yeah, all of his movies have his all oh, the dialect. So, but yeah. so does the Northman. Like I, yeah. we, were, I was upset. I saw it in theaters because there wasn't subtitles, and I almost need subtitles for his movies because he is so pitch perfect with language that when we did the law. The lobster. I always want to call it the lobster. The, the lighthouse. lighthouse. Yeah. I had to watch it. Was we waited until it was well, it was during really? the pandemic. So we yeah. had to wait for it to be streaming. And wow. we were uh glad for subtitles because oh my gosh. Yeah. And it doesn't help too. Like I-, I think I get so distracted by the actual film that sometimes I'll miss entire lines of dialogue because yeah. I'm just watching something and I'm like, wait, what did they just say? <laughs> just it. It's a trip. It's yeah. a trip. But I'm well, I'm glad he's doing big budget movies and I'm mm-hmm. glad that he's out there doing that because he is very passionate and he's a theater person Mm -hmm. and we both have theater degrees. So we're very uh, into him, I guess. Yeah. Very cool. So side note on that, you can request subtitles. We should have in the movie theater. It was our tiny art house theater in our town. Oh no, not them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's only one art house. Well, we're supposedly getting an Alamo draft house, which I'm both excited and perplexed about because I love our little art house theater. Yeah. Um, it's not even that little. Um, we do the, they do the Sidewalk Film Festival, which is like the biggest film festival in Alabama. Um, nice. And Birmingham's like the art center of Alabama. Yeah, like, we're, we're called the, the Magic one. City. So. Yeah, so Magic yeah. if you want to go see an art house movie, we're the place to see it. But okay. it's a small oh. little theater called Sidewalk, and it's my favorite place in town to see it. I'll give you a um, like a, a sample. So um, Mem- Memoria is it Memoria or a Memoriam? 
Memoria. 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 Yeah, Memoria is a traveling. So I don't know if you heard about the movie it was Memoria, a release. but it's a it's a traveling feature. They don't ever plan to release it to DVD. They're going from theater to theater for like the next ten years. And so it was in Alabama and Birmingham at our local yes. theater, and that's the only place it was showing in the south. I was in rehearsals. Yeah, and I missed it. It's so, Tilda Swinton. So yeah, so but that, oh, the movie is wow. very veiled into what it's actually about. Yeah, like though, the trailer so. makes mm. it like a complete mystery. You have no idea what the yeah. movie's about. So maybe eventually. Type of trailers I like. Yeah. So, all right. I do have to say one thing. Because uh-huh. <laughs> you're talking about Grand House Theaters yeah. and like your little art house theaters. Yeah. We have an art house theater in Chicago called The Music Box. And oh, I what, I, what I love about The Music Box is it shows like, you know, bigger movies, but also like indie movies, a lot of mm-hmm. indie movies. And there's also a side to the theater where they show like, you know, the weird movies such as uh, they do a lot of midnight showings of mm-hmm. The Room. Yes. I own The Room. It's an amazing movie. And Birdemic. Nice. Yeah, I own it on Blu-ray. Oh, no, see, I'm, I, I found it crazy. at Second and Charles the first time I went there. And I said, Second Charles, you're my favorite store now. And uh, it was only on DVD, but it was like, I think, I think the, one of the first releases of it. Mm-hmm. So, Very but nice. we even had The Room, too. And Mark came. I, no one would go with me. So I missed it, but Mark actually came to that theater too. Mark? Yeah. Oh, hi, Mark. Wow. That Mark. Yeah. Greg Cicero. So, Greg Cicero. Yes. Holy shit. That's amazing. Yeah. And he, he made a movie and he was showing his film the same weekend. So it was like you could do a double feature of watching The Room and then watch. I think it was his way to show his real movie. It looked good. I want yeah. to actually watch it. Um, and Best Fiends, Friends, whatever that one was that him and Tommy was right. so made that I haven't right. watched yet. Yes. I did watch I the weird that. sitcom they made. It was yeah. on Hulu for a hot minute. And it no was way. like, I can't remember what it was called, but it was like Apartment Friends or something. It was like a Friends ripoff, but it was a bunch of like people and Tommy Wiseau and it was really bad. But it was it wasn't as good as The Room, but it was like fun to watch. <laughs> this is American exactly. comedy. Yes, exactly. It was the whole wow. thing. I remember them being in a laundry room at some point. I don't know. It's a very he's a strange man, but I love that he's in this world. Oh. Right. So getting back into the main topic. So you ladies um recommended Dawn of the Dead oh, in nineteen seventy eight. Yes. <laughs> so how did you first discover the film? So you're you're into Grindhouse, you're into those, you know, crazy exotic movies. How did you get into Dawn of the Dead by George Romero? So, so I think Britt should take it because so Britt watched a lot of Grindhouse movies at a very young age, whereas I discovered a lot of them as I got older. Oh, Although I did, okay. my parents did let me watch Ghostbusters and Star Wars and things like that. Um, and Grindhouse, not Grindhouse, but like <laughs> like good humor, some scary Indiana Jones, some scary movies. Mm, yes, but like they would be uh, what was censoring them for my young eyes. Brit, however, was 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 exposed at a very young age and is super normal. Guess. I promise. Um, Let me guess. You and your friends snuck and yeah. watched these movies. No, no it's even better. Back. So, which is no, why she should. Um, my dad either rented them or bought them, and we watched them with my dad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah. So I think. Um, which, you know, is funny. I will say as a very quick segue, it's like me and Katie were talking about. Um, Tom Savini and I was like I always think of him as Sex Machine from Dust Till Dawn and I was like me and my brother love watching from Dust Till Dawn when we were kids like 
which I didn't see until I was in college. So. Yeah. And we saw it probably when we were like seven or eight. Uh, so we were like quoting these movies back and forth to each other. But what it was, uh, it, I mean, it was, I mean, I had a great childhood, but my dad was actually the stay at home dad. Um, and my mom worked and my dad learned very quickly that like kids were always there. If he wanted to watch the movies, he wanted to watch because he was a big film buff. Like now I am. Uh, he was like, I'm going to have to watch with these kids. Uh, so, <laughs> Tell me about the Muppet one. Uh, so, um, so for example, we watch, if you're familiar with Peter Jackson's directorial debut, Dead Alive. I saw Dead Alive uh, when I was probably like six. Um, and I, yes. uh, and he also rented us Meet the Feebles, uh, which was his second movie, which is basically like the Muppets, but they... Um, they do drugs and have sex and kill yeah. each other. So, so yeah. instead of Fraggle Rock, it's Fraggle Cock. Pretty basically. much, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, when I was wow. like seven years old. Uh, he was, you know, he's like, we're going to watch Dawn of the Dead. We had already watched Night of the Living Dead. And I was like, cool. Um, and I have to admit, I absolutely loved it. But it absolutely terrified me. Um, which is funny now watching it as an adult because some of the scenes that terrified me when I was a kid, they still kind of strike a little bit of panic in my heart, even as an adult. Yeah. Mm. Um, and the main thing I always remembered the first time watching it as a kid was the bicycle rider getting his intestines pulled out. Yeah, that was like the early. first thing mm-hmm. that really stuck with me in that movie. And I remember being very sad when I watched like Night of the Dead, Night of the Living Dead, because spoiler alert, they're all dead at the end of yeah. it. It was very nihilistic. <clears throat> And so I was actually really happy. Like, even as a kid, I'm like, yeah, they got away. And then my dad's like, but how long will the will the helicopter last? And it was like, oh, dad, so- shut up. I'm trying <laughs> to enjoy the happiness. Jeez. So, but it was, it was great because by the time um, the sequel rolled around um, in like 2004, dad was like, hell yeah, we're going to the theater and watching this. So I got to see the, or sorry, not the sequel, the remake in the actual mm. movie theaters. So I actually do enjoy the remake. I mean, I think if you look at them as different movies, they're both great movies for different reasons. It's just this is the classic. Yeah. The absolute classic. Also, Keenan's dad from Keenan and Kel is in this movie. Mm-hmm. So, Ken Forey, um, which. Oh, what? Yes, yeah. Ken Forey is Keenan's dad on Keenan and Kel. Damn. It's just he's, you know, wearing glasses and in a dad outfit the whole time. And he's not drinking orange juice. And- right. Hanging out orange with, soda. Uh, not uh, orange juice. Yes. Uh, or- oh, yeah. Right. Okay. Soda. Um. <laughs> yeah. But also, Sam Jackson was a dad in the pilot for Ghost Rider, the kids' TV show um, on PBS that gave me nightmares with the purple goo monster. What was it called? I can't oh, remember. yeah. I don't know. YourMovieSucks.org brought it up, and I'd forgotten. I'd, I'd, they did childhood trauma, and they were talking about that episode, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, it unlocked a horrific memory in my childhood right. about this goo monster. But, yeah, Sam Jackson was the dad of one of those kids in that TV show, too. Does not say okay. motherfuckers, unfortunately. But, you know, I'm like, well, no wonder I love him. He's been ingrained in my brain since I was yeah. like six years old. Like, absolutely. Right. And Ken Forey, just amazing. And now it's it's kind of amazing, too. Yeah. Like, so I was, when we were talking about doing this movie, I was like, okay, so I have to look up things about Night of the Living Dead. Because if it wasn't for Night of the Living Dead, we would never have Dawn of the Dead. And I never knew one of the main inspirations for Night of the Living Dead because they don't really use the term zombie. Even the original script, Mm -hmm. they said ghoul a lot. And so this was, they are zombies, yes, but before we kind of just coined them as zombies. And um, so it turns out Richard Masson's 1954 novel, I Am Legend, inspired Night of the Living Dead. And all I could think about was like, wow, this is like a whole circle. 
that just goes around and around because of course yep. i am legend was made into a movie three different times yes so and the poor dog oh god it doesn't help to me to get me to watch that movie say the dog will be fine katie Dog indeed. So, Spoiler alert is not fine. No lie. So with the Will Smith version of it, his dog is named Samantha, and the dog I grew up with was named Samantha, mm-hmm. which made mm-hmm. it even more harder to watch that yeah. version Ooh. of I'm Legend. Yeah. Anyways, uh, we we're big animal people, so yeah, that's good. <laughs> we always tell our audience if the animals are okay at the end of the movie. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> right. And with the, with this genre, it's um. You know, I, I saw Cannibal Holocaust in oh, a movie theater, oh, and oh. they had a. It was at a horror film festival, and they had a Cannibal Breakfast before the showing, oh, and God. each one of the meats was named after a character in the film. Like, oh, that's great! Dog. That's awesome. I've always wanted to do the head for Halloween, but I'm like, I don't know if people eat it though. You know, like <laughs> so the I was sitting head. in the theater, mm-hmm. and the movie started playing after I ate, ate my Cannibal Breakfast, and I was like, Oh no. <laughs> This is a mistake because that film actually killed animals. They did. Yeah. The turtle. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's fucked up. If you want me uh, to ruin, sorry, I'm going to ruin something for you as it was ruined for me. So one of my favorite movies when I was a kid was Milo and Otis. And uh, Japan did not have animal protection laws when they made Milo and Otis. So they lost a lot of Milo's during the filming of that movie. Yeah. You can tell. There's a part where one of them is like in the water. He goes over like a waterfall. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> Just to bring us all down. Wow. Yes. Okay. But thank God now we have animal protection laws. So anytime True. we watch thank a movie, God. I always look for that, you know, no animals were harmed. Like, I'll sit there at the end of the credits. My husband's like, let's go. I was like, nope. Got, got to see it. I have to know. Sure. Yep. So. But it's good. Um, so getting yeah. back to Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead. Yes. So believe it or not, I have never seen Dawn of the Dead, the original one. Before going to the Grindhouse Theater today. <gasps> and this is my first time because I saw, so growing up, me and my friends were like, let's watch horror movies. So then we would go to like Blockbuster and get like a mm-hmm. uh, DVD stack, you know, two feet tall with a whole bunch of horror movies. So we went through the classics and for some reason, I don't know if it just wasn't available. It's, it's kind of hard to find this, it is. this movie. Yeah. Uh, so we saw Night of the Living Dead. And that's what sparked my fascination with zombies. So then naturally we saw the remake by Zack Snyder, uh, Dawn of the Dead, and it was amazing. Yeah. And I always heard of the differences between Dawn of the Dead, the original, and the the remake. And I was like, oh. And people talk about it with such high esteem, the original one. And I was like, I'll get around to it. I'll get around to it. So I finally got around to it. And I was completely blown away because this is the movie that kind of cemented the modern zombie mm-hmm. uh, archetype that we see in so many things like The Walking Dead or Shaun of the Dead or all these other uh, zombie uh, IPs. And this is the movie that really started off. Yes, it's a sequel from Night of the Living Dead, but like you could see where all these people like Robert Kirkman drew inspiration mm-hmm. for their stories. Well, and even just the pitting... You know, the zombies are an obstacle, but in the end, which this is, what we say, a 40-something-year-old movie, so spoilers, people are more of the problem than the zombies. And I found that fascinating, because I was like, that is... And I have since stopped watching The Walking Dead, but I did watch it up until uh, they lost Dear Glenn. Rest in Um, peace, Glenn. Yeah. Um, But, you know, that's really the more interesting part is the people and how they react. and. It's not so much the zombies are a cool backdrop to a lot of human drama, which is 
what this movie brings in. Also, consumerism. Yeah, that's like the big okay. thing with this one. So, like, it's very meta. Night of the Living Dead was talking about social issues, and then yeah. this one's talking about consumerism, which I thought was cool because there's always these underlying things that he's kind of talking about with his writing. Um, just really neat. Exactly. Yeah. So we touched upon it. So before we go any further, I need you to do the elevator pitch. Please stand clear of the closing door. So for those that don't know, if you're selling a movie on a friend, you really only have 60 seconds to do so. So here on Syndicate today, we're going to summarize Dawn of the Dead. I need you to pitch me the movie as if I've never seen it before, which wasn't that long ago. So I heard Brittany volunteered as tribute. You're going to do this within 60 seconds. I'll avoid major spoilers. Are you ready? We're going to start in three, two. One, go. So we all know what zombies are, right? Right. In fact, after the vampire craze of the early mid-2000s died out, zombies became the hot thing. Are zombies hot? Well, technically they're dead and immune to the elements. They are cold-blooded, but I digress. No pun intended. The Walking Dead, World War C, Zombieland, Train to Busan, and Warm Bollies all fulfilled our cravings for zombie, often with both hilarious and heartwarming results. But I ask you, what about before zombies became the hot new horror item? What about one of the OGs that walked Quite literally, so those son-of-a-bitch new flashy zombies can run. Also quite literally. The grandmommy of the zombie genre. A movie so violent that your father saw in theaters three times, and so deliciously weird that your husband muttered, what the fuck, as a man still decides to put his arm in a blood pressure cuff despite being surrounded by the undead. A movie with an ending polka number so haunting that a famous stop-motion TV series decided to use it as her ending theme. My friend, if you don't already know, may I introduce you to the classic George A. Romero 1978 film, Dawn of the Dead. With yeah. five seconds to spare, you did a great job. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> we timed it before. Wow. <laughs> so. You did a great job. So there's so much to talk about this film, and there's so many weird... It's it's <laughs> such an influential film, but at the same time, it's so bizarre at the same time. <laughs> like, yes. like, like you just uh, mentioned, as this biker gang uh, near the end of the film breaks into the mall and as zombies are surrounding all of the people one of them is just checking his blood pressure for some reason (laughs) and gets eaten as you do you know i uh this is the first time i have watched it like in the last like five or six years i've seen this movie like four or five times but this was the first time i watched it recently and i don't know why but i was laughing so hard i was almost crying at that point i was like i don't get it like well also like it's so interesting the main four people we follow in the beginning like they do take shit from the mall but they act very civilized about it like they take some money but they're like hey just in case they they you know they take care of their space but then these people are just like, we're just going to steal TVs, even though there's no television right now. And VHS tapes, I don't think, had been invented. So one of them steals a TV and the other guy's like, what the hell are you going to watch? He's like, I don't know, and just keeps walking with the TV. I was like, okay, dude. They also- and of course, Tom Savini's just like falling into like lakes and, and ponds and the fountains. And <laughs> and they, right. pie, they pie zombies. Like they literally yeah. take so pies like the and pie they zombie. pie the zombies. Pie zombies. They start pieing zombies, throwing soda in their face. Oh and God. at that moment, yes, they I was watching the film bottles. and I questioned, what was I watching and was it real? <laughs> Am I, I dreaming this? <laughs> well, we all saw it. So either we were having a collective delusion or it really happened. Yeah. Who knows at this point? But yeah, the seltzer and the pie on the face it just sounded like they just want to have a lot of fun with this movie, which is hilarious because, you know, George A. Romero, the reason they used the mall, well, one of the reasons why they used the mall is because he had just had friends that owned 
the Monroeville Mall in Pittsburgh. And he was just like, hey, can we film at your mall? And they said, sure. Yeah, because he was Um, literally... Or his producer or somebody had a friend. Yeah, that's what... Yeah, they went there because one of his friends like worked for like a team that had built the mall. And the friend was literally like, yeah, could you imagine if there was an emergency? Like, look at these passageways. And it like gave him the idea. But I loved it. So uh, Katie loves Suspiria and she's a big Argento fan. Mm. Uh, and very so in this movie. I always think yeah. if it wasn't for Night of Living Dead, because they were like having tr- they were having trouble finding funds for this movie. Mm-hmm. And Argento like heard on the winds. He was like, wait, you're making a sequel. I freaking love that movie. Let me so help excited. you fund some of it. So it was like Night of the Living Dead literally walked so Dawn of the Dead could run. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Dawn of the Dead is Peppa in this circumstance. Yes. If you're Peppa Pig. Oh, the TikTok where it's like this bitch walked. She strutted oh, that yeah. runway yes. so that Peppa could run. I assume it's Peppa Pig. I honestly, someone tell us <laughs> who the original quote is from because it's fucking phenomenal. But. But Argento just like was so excited about this, and um, he, by the way, is in a brand new movie as an actor by Gaspar Noé, our good old weird friend. Yeah, he's not really our friend, but we've done two of his movies now, and he's a strange bird, but I love him. Um, watch mm-hmm. Climax if you just want to mind fuck. Um, oh, speaking of Climax, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. But like, I have a friend, and everyone knows I'm the film person. So yeah. he texted me saying, "I want to watch a fucked up movie," and I was like, <laughs> "Okay." Watch Climax. Yeah. And he was like, okay. And then I get a text later that night. Armand, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> hey, hey, you could have said irreversible, and yeah. that is so much more painful. Oh, so. no. I, really? As a, a Serbian film, you could have said oh, Serbian but film. But Serbian film is like I not... could have picked so much worse things. Yeah. See, Serbian, Sallow. Yeah. Yeah. But, but irreversible, like, well, we did it recently, and I was like, I do think I get what he's saying from it, but... He doesn't really, uh, he's not really graceful with how he says it. And so it's very hard to digest. Whereas Climax, at least right. it's pretty. And you can be like, it's a 45 it minute one take. That's artistic. That's the whole thing's fucking choreographed. Yeah. It's mm. amazing. And it looks pretty. Amazing. While people are hitting each other and getting molested and there might be incest, but did it actually happen? I don't know. That yeah. was the part that troubled me the most was. Did they? Did they? Did they not? So watch Climax. It's great and really fucked up. But yeah, more more fucked up than Dawn of the Dead. I don't know. No, no. Yeah. Well, I, don't I think, think so. Yeah, I think Dawn of the Dead is like actually darkly funny. Like it in a lot of ways. Funny. Like even before the biker gang, there's some like really funny moments. Like another scene that always stuck out to me when I was a kid was that you know they're stopping to get gas and friends standing there and the helicopter blades are whirling and you see that zombie get up on that crate and mm-hmm. you're like oh mm-hmm. my god it's so scary and then just his head like the top of his head so i don't know how they even did that yeah to be honest Tom Savini. i was like huh. <laughs> okay the joke yeah. i don't know that specific one i do know that he's the guy when they hit a bunch of zombies with the trucks in that sequence and the one guy goes flying that is tom Savini. Uh, at least according to there's a making of documentary that's available on youtube that i watched and he was like mm-hmm. i did all the stunts and they immediately showed that when i was like of course it was tom so savini. correct me if i'm wrong mm-hmm. okay so tom savini mm-hmm. is he the special effects person yes. for yes jason or is he actually one of jason them no Lucas? no he said he did the special effects for uh friday yeah. the 13th and fi- friday the 13th the final chapter so he did it for two of the jason films. which was the Corey feldman one 
or not the Corey Feldman. Oh god, I forgot. It's new. Oh god, my brother is the biggest Jason fan, and I just completely blanked two off of this one. Yeah, so he did do okay. two of them. Though. But he also he's just an amazing special effects artist. But he's such an interesting dude that he and he used to be a gymnast apparently in high school. So he's really into doing stunt work. That's why he did so much stunt work for Dawn of the Dead. But he's also the penis gun vampire, or was it sex, sex machine? machine? Sex yeah. machine. Uh, well, he's not a vampire originally. He's just a cow, a Western. Yeah. Have, have you seen From Dust Till Dawn by chance? I wasn't going to reveal of it, but no. no. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I see I, it. Okay. I'm going to watch it for this season. Quentin's best acting work ever because he wasn't directing himself. Yeah. And Tarantino <laughs> actually nice. plays George Clooney's brother. Yeah. So if you want to see Clooney and Tarantino's brother, who, of course, has a foot fetish, and Salma Hayek puts her foot like right on his face. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I bet Tarantino just fucking love it. Who Salma Hayek is both in, well, I won't ruin it for you, but yeah. she has this really cool like snake dance in it. And then. Yeah. Things get oh, it is but, that's, yeah. that's another great movie that's very tonally different like it's kind of yes. serious at the beginning and then it just descends into like madness and it's hilarious it's yeah. a crime thriller and you're following these two criminals and then all of a sudden it's supernatural and yeah but it's amazing kind of like the dawn of the dead because in the beginning i mean i just love how this film just places you in the chaos just, just like with the remake it's just like boom apocalypse Right in the beginning. It's like, there's no beating around the bush. It's not like The Walking Dead where it's like, yeah, we're partners. Isn't that right, Shane? Yeah. And then, <laughs> then the world explodes. Mm-hmm. And, well, it's kind of like with Walking Dead and 28 Days Later. It's like all the shit happens while they're in a coma. Yeah. So right. you don't really, you, between Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead, you kind of see this descent into madness. And he actually called um, Dawn of the Dead, Romero called it the bouncing act of the films because he's like, in this in this part of the saga, zombies and humans are equal footing. So there's just as many humans as there are zombies. Yeah. So, which is interesting. Yeah. And I will say, I I love how one they have that news how the news station yeah. and everyone's chaotic. Everything. The yeah. two gentlemen having the conversation apparently originally like I don't think they had a script, but or they had a basic script, but they were like yeah. they mad rehearsed that just because they were just like we wanted it to be like energy because that's how the movie's starting out. And everyone's like freaking out. It's like, what would you do at your day job? Like if the apocalypse was happening, would you stay at your day job? I mean, they're at a news station. It's not like they work at, I don't know, Kellogg's. Um, I'm sorry, Kellogg employees. I'm sure your job is also very important. But like, you know, they're used to a 24-hour work day. But what do you do at that circumstance, you know? Right. Um, Well, you also don't see the first like real real moment of violence until what, like 15, 20 minutes into the movie. Because you're like, okay, you're piecing together what's happening. And then they go to the housing project across town and you're just like, okay, what's the SWAT team doing? And then suddenly people are like the officers shooting at people. Yeah. But it's when you see that first zombie and his wife hugs him and he just rips the plug out of her. You're just like, like, oh shit. Yeah. Honey, don't do that. What was the guy? I can't remember what the guy's name was, but I'll call him Sam. He's like, Sam, yeah. you're okay. And you're like, oh, shit. No, that no, would it's be like, very confusing. Sam looks awfully like grayish blue. Something's I mean, wrong there. Like so, a smurf. So yeah. I don't think I would hug Sam at that point. But. but I mean, but when you see him like rip that plug, like even rewatching oh, yeah. it, I was like, oh, my God. Or the head zombie, too. Yeah. So, which you guys probably already know this looking into this movie. Um, but originally, like the original Night of the Living Dead, this movie had a very nihilistic ending. So Fran and Peter were going to commit suicide. And Fran was going to stand up in the helicopter blades, too. And so the exploding dummy they used was actually Fran's dummy they had originally used. They were going to use for her. 
And they were like, and they were like, oh, maybe we shouldn't make it as sad. Maybe we should give some hope. <laughs> and so that's why they use it for the shotgun. Like they, they okay. painted it up like a black man and they used it for the shotgun sequence in that, in the housing building. Wow. So, a gender bending zombie mm-hmm. corpse. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm really. Oh, I'm brand for Pride Month. I'm okay. I have to yes. say, speaking of Peter and a uh, friend. So I love it. I <laughs> They could have a sitcom. Those I, love I love them. the I love the moment where Peter is like, I'm doing disguise. Like he's like sitting in that little room, and the zombies come in, and then it suddenly starts playing the Go Team Go music, and he's like, No, I'm not gonna do this. He starts fighting. He like punches yeah. a zombie. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, It's yeah. so comedic. Like he's he's such a sardonic, sarcastic person too, and I love him. I also love. I mean, and this is further on in the movie where he just like makes them dinner. Yeah. And then he just goes and drinks right. with his dead friend. But it's yeah. sweet. I was like, oh. And then Fran has commitment issues, which I'm like, honey, it's the apocalypse. You still don't, you still have commitment issues? Girl. I Girl, have you, to you, say. You should have gone to therapy like five years ago. But like, <laughs> Roger and Peter's bromance is like one of my favorite things in the whole movie. Yeah. that right. Roger, Roger was probably the most disturbing death. And a weird reveal it because sad. it's like you know he's sick he's having issues we know that it's gonna happen but then like there's a blanket over his head and I'm like oh he's gonna be a zombie but like it's the most grave looking zombie of all the zombies like he looks like himself still too and, and I- also the way he was carrying his body was starkly different than mm-hmm. a lot of the other extras I don't know it's because like they're extras and they're like paid five dollars to be there well i think they were also oh, having like, a blast being zombies oh, from all the people that were on uh fun place. trivia uh all the extras were actually played one daughter one dollar a donut and a guy for a t-shirt tight <laughs> <Huh>. wow <laughs> but yeah Very cool but go on i'm so but, sorry okay no it's okay so i really like so we're talking about the zombies mm-hmm. um i really like the aesthetic of romero zombies mm-hmm. because like we're so used to like the Walking Dead zombies now because it's so saturated in our pop culture now, which is like the rotting flesh and there's fun. Even like Day of the Dead or Land of the Dead, where it's more like they're falling apart, like they're walking corpses. While in Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead, they look like people just painted blue or or gray, and that's pretty much it. Um, what's also interesting with Romero's zombie, especially in this film, is in the first film, I think it was like cosmic radiation brought back the dead or something, yeah. which was pretty far out there. Um, and then with the second one, it wasn't revealed why they're coming back to life, but it was revealed that anyone who dies comes back. Yeah. And that kind of like is kind of, you know, ahead of its time for the mythos because like usually it's they're zombies. And then if you get bitten, that's right. how you become a zombie. Well, in this world, Anyone can come back as the undead. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have a brain. Yeah. Yeah. Cut off the brain or destroy the brain. Yes. So when um, Yes. (laughs) So yeah, when those two SWAT team officers, especially Roger, when he died, like he came back to life. He wasn't well, he was bitten. But like the way he carried himself was like he was like stumbling and staggering. It was more visceral compared to the extras. And that really stood out for me because like it was such a it exemplified like the kind of like the tragedy of his character because like they're like they're two friends, Peter and Roger, and the buddies. Him losing his friend and then seeing his friend 
as a zombie, it's like, oh, that's just heartbreaking. And having well, to kill his own friend. I also right. love, so they're, you know, they talk about, they're like, there is lingering bits of humanity in them. So they're repeating a lot of their actions that they did in daily life. Yeah. And when Roger yeah. comes back, his eyes do like, they glance around the room. Like, it's like a semblance of like, he comes back to life. It's almost like he has to remember where he's at for just a minute. Mm-hmm. So his eyes look around the room and then he starts to rise up in the sheets and then they show friend Steven and you hear the gunshot. So, you know, Peter's killed them. Yeah. But it's just like that heartbreaking moment where it's like you see a bit of him still left, right. even though he's turned. And um, I think that's what. So watching this now, when we see Steven at the end of the movie and you know we know right. steven has been bitten and i love it because he goes down fighting like he's been bitten multiple times and he's still like hitting him and shoving him out mm-hmm. the elevator door but that elevator doors opens and they're like you're like oh my god they spent so much time on him compared to the extras but it's the way he kind of dangles the gun and his foot is turned inward like completely yep. where the foot had mm-hmm. been like the leg had been bitten is turned inward and he has this like haunting shuffle like he's, I, I think that he's the best zombie I've ever seen hands down in terms of acting. Absolutely. So, and that's just so I heartbreaking because think... not only does he go back to the safe room, but I don't know if you guys caught this. He gets to the safe room and he closes the door behind him. Hmm. Like he, he literally does. closes the door behind him. That makes sense. Because with Romero zombies, which I feel, and we could talk about this in a little bit i feel that frank darabont when he was doing season one of the walking dead he was trying to emulate that yeah um how zombies had some sort of spark left in them from their humanity and with romero he definitely had that in this film because like that's where the consumerism um yeah they keep coming theme comes from Yeah. yeah They go back to the mall, and I forget which character says it, but it's like, oh, this place was an important place to these people. Yeah. And now yeah. they're back, I even think, in I death. think it is Ken Forey. He, he's the, like, philosophical person, too, because he's just like, he's like, yeah. And then, oh, he's the one who talks about how his grandfather said, you know, when hell is full, that's when the dead when will come no back. When no more room in hell, yes. the dead will like, the earth. It's a little yes. crazy. Yeah. Also, it's like, it's are so you just cool. saying that humanity sucks and that we need to be better so we can stop killing hell? Is that what you're saying, George Romero? Yeah. I mean, maybe. Also, maybe stop shopping at the mall him. so much. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, boost no one shops at the mall anymore. Yeah. No, I know. It's I, that's why I think it was a good time to remake it in the early 2000s and like the right. 90s because mall culture was revitalized back then, but now it's like outdoor shopping centers and things and yeah i mean i like them all but maybe that's because i'm a 90s kid and that is just ingrained in my brain you yeah. know it's just easier it is. millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But going back to the zombies. So with, um, with Steven's character, like he goes back into the safe room and he closes it behind him. So he has that, you know, he's just going through what he did when he was alive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's like he knew where the location was because they put like a false wall. Uh, So he knew where the entrance was and, Mm -hmm. you know, all the zombies knocked it down. And yeah, when he gets there, he closes the door. That's, that's a nice touch because like, that's what it would, that's what he would have done if he was alive. You know what? So that's just interesting. You know, it's another, it's, it's a weird thing, but I don't, I, my grandfather had dementia before he passed away. And my mom has worked with, my mom's a nurse. She's worked with a lot of patients who've had dementia. And she was talking about patterns because my grandpa would go through like the same pattern of doing stuff around the house, like taking out the trash. The trash didn't need to be taken out, but he had to towards the end. When your brain is only mildly functioning, you revert back to patterns. And I don't know. I mean, I don't think we were studying dementia as much back in 78. But it, it almost like is a treatise on yeah. what happens when we get older, what happens when we die, like dementia when is not, a, it's a horrible thing. Um, but when like your brain is just doing patterns, it's still going to go even if you don't need it. And so it was reminding me of that too, which is sad how like, well, patterns just repeat. It's also very sad because they say, I was reading this article and they say uh, there is usually a moment shortly before people die that they have moments of clarity and everything clears mm-hmm. up. So it's like if their brains are running on that last little bit of fuel there is like that clarity inside yeah. of them. It's just like, I guess the overwhelming need to feed and eat to sustain yourself, that what weighs their decision to still attack mm-hmm. their loved ones. And like, you know, there could be an argument like, would Steven have attacked them? And I think absolutely he would have because he was going through mm-hmm. the motions. But as soon as he got his hand on Fran or Peter, he would have bit him. So yep. also I find it interesting no that doubt. Fran's the one that's like, hey, we got to go. He hasn't answered in hours. It's time to go. Yeah. Like she and the actress who played Fran, um, I just had her pulled up. She was saying that Galen Ross. Yeah. She was saying that she kind of reverted on set to being the Fran. Like everyone kind of reverted to their characters, whereas the men were all kind of goofy. She had to be like, she was like, I was kind of the wet blanket. But she is practical. Mm. And she doesn't, the thing I love about her is like, she gets to the point where she has to be strong. And right. uh, you know, people will say like, oh, that's a strong person. And it's like, you're, sometimes there's no other choice. And yeah. she's in a situation, she has no other choice but to be strong. And that's why, you know, um, I'm sure Katie and you've read this, but uh, Romero at one point was like, you know, let out scream. And she's like, that's not who she is. Like she yeah. wouldn't scream because if she screamed, she would be giving into the fear and she can't give into the fear. When she's trying to put up a strong front, because Mm. I mean, being a woman, maybe that's why I feel for her. But like, they do treat her like she's weaker than them in the beginning. And she's like, what? Like, they don't include her in the decision making at first. She's like, is it because I'm a woman or is it because I'm pregnant? Like, what is going on with you? That was another thing. They took forever to her for her to show. Yeah, that was weird. Because like, he literally says, I don't know, she's like three or four months pregnant when they've started out. I'm like, how long have they been in the mall? Because then then all of a sudden she's got a full on fake pregnant belly and she's wearing like a muumuu. And I was like, 
well, it happens. But I think it's like how they are in the mall because it's like they don't really have a sense of how much time is passing, which yeah. is why they start to go stir crazy right. too. So I guess Fern's right. pregnancy is one of the only ways that they know time is passing. Also, there's that really good shot of her sitting at the bench after Roger has passed away mm-hmm. and they're all kind of trying to pass the time. But she's sitting right in front of a maternity store. And I was like, oh, how symbolic. I yeah. see what you did there, Romero. That's cute. Um, Like looking to the future. And I guess... And she's not really sure. I don't know. It seems like none of them are really sure if they want to keep the baby, which is something I'm glad they dealt with because there's so many apocalypse movies that just don't think about that. Um, Although I will say, I thought it was really stupid of them to have a baby in a quiet place. In a quiet place. Because babies I thought you were talking about the the remake where they had the zombie baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's just fun. Yeah, the zombie... (laughs) I think they were like, let's... That's the few things I remember about it. They were like, let's do do a little bit different. I love that about the remake, too. I also love... is it, is it, I can't remember if it's Steve or Stevens, but the gun owner across the street that they have like a relationship with that they're playing like tic-tac-toe. Oh, was great. Yeah, yeah. To pass the time. Uh, the Dawn of the Dead remake, I'll, I'll stick to my guns. I'm like, it's not 1978's Dawn of the Dead, but it's, it's a great movie. And I still can't, every time someone says Down with the Sickness, I always think of that wow. version of Down with the Sickness, where it's like, get up, come on, get down with the sickness. <laughs> Does it not say ooh wah? Uh, he does. He does. One. But okay. he's like, you mother, get up, get up. You know, it's okay. great. As so. long as you say ooh wah, uh, 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 or else I not don't down with the sickness. remember that <gasps> in the movie. You don't I remember? Barely. They did a doo-wah version of Disturbs yes. Down with the Sickness. Oh my fucking God. That's like one of my favorite parts of the movie. So it's after they shoot the girl's father because he's been bit. And it's like, oh shit. And it shows them passing time in the mall. Like trying on clothes, doing different things to that song, to a doo-wop version of Down with the Sickness. Because <laughs> why not? Why wouldn't you do that? My God. It's incredible. Is, it's been is... forever since I've seen that movie. It, I, I think remember it, the opening. Last time I saw it was like 2004, 2005. Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't think I, I mean, minutes. I feel like I saw it on TV too. So I probably didn't see all of it. Yeah. But it's, it's a good, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not really one of his it. biggest fans, if I am to be honest. Yeah, I will say, Sack, I do think Dawn of the Dead is one of Zack Snyder's it's, stronger movies. Well, you can see what's going on. It's not like the Superman movies where you can't see a damn thing because everything's too dark. Uh, but yes, Dawn of the Dead, 1978, as we... Contrast. <laughs> contrast. Contrast. Yes. Although Batman v Superman is hilarious. It is a comedy for the ages. If nothing else, but for Jesse Eisenberg's... Uh, Mark Zuckerberg. I always go, well, Watchmen is visually funny. So it's so cringe. (laughs) It's so, so entertainingly cringe, though. Um, Don't, I didn't pay for it. I waited until it came on HBO Max and then I watched it and laughed with the other Suicide Squad, not the new one that's good. Yeah. So I lasted like four minutes in that old Suicide Squad movie. I was like, (laughs) oh, I the whole freaking thing. I was laughing hysterically. I mean, it's, it's just edited so badly. And then Jared Leto just, oh, just, I love that he's now, what is it? What is his new, um, guilty is, is the new fragrance. That oh he's, yeah. I forgot. He's, he's in the commercial. He's like Gucci guilty. And I was like, yeah, you're guilty of a lot of stuff. Jared Leto. You just haven't been uh, arrested yet. <laughs> Allegedly. Anyways, we're not going to no. He has a cult. Come on y'all. I'm it's sorry. It's Morbin time. Oh, also his movie crimes. 
you know, and, it's, yeah, it's Morbin time. And now I'm, he's in on the joke and it's ruined. Saturday. I'm, I'm <laughs> like, I'm over here pushing up my imaginary glasses going, but A Beautiful Lie was a good album. Like, it's, oh, he's, he's, his band's fine. 30 Seconds to Mars, it's an okay band. Like, yeah. It's fine. I and like their music videos. With like, the right director, he's fine. But he's one of these people who... Robert, uh, Robert Pattinson actually said this, and I agree with him. People who use the method acting, it's a they're usually egotistical creeps. And, except for Daniel Day-Lewis, because that man gives everyone a present after the show is done and apologizes about it. And he only does like a movie every few years. So it's not like he's always constantly on set bedraggling people. Anyone's Oscars. But what about Nicolas Cage? Wait, he's not the same kind of method, though. He's not oh. like, I'm going to be an asshole to people on set. He's just Nicolas Cage he's all the time. He's Cage. You and I love what? him. But for every one of his movie sets, the Wicker Man remake, he has a pig. That and is pig true. pig is so good. Pig or Mandy or... <laughs> I need to see the, the newest one uh, with Pedro Pascal. Oh, yeah. Which, I mean, oh, Pedro Mandalorian. Hello. Um, yeah. Also, uh... Oh, oh, Oberon. I was like, yeah. yes. Oh, you ripped her. You murdered her. You killed her children. We're big Game of Thrones people. Yeah. So, so. Brittany had a Game of Thrones themed wedding, actually. Yes. But it wasn't, nobody dressed up like anybody. I love the just... look on his face. He just went, it was a light one. He went, oh, she's one of those. No. Uh, it was inspired. It was like, <laughs> did you play... yeah. Okay. Then we'll get back into Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. Yeah. Did you play The Reigns of Castamere? We sure the hell did. Yes. Did you scare everybody? I didn't get- At the wedding reception, it was hilarious because it started playing <laughs> and the people who got it like kind of chuckled nervously and started looking around. Like <laughs> and girls they, who get it. Can. And some girls of the older people were like, This is a really lovely instrumental. What what song is this? So um uh, but yeah, it was inspired because I'm I'm a nerd. My husband is not. Um and so I was like he was like, no, we're not doing that. I was like, what if we did Inspired and we just had hints of it? And I knew. And he's like, okay, we can do that. So we had like our best man wear a hand of the uh, kingpin. And my girls carried lanterns instead. Of but everyone had like normal clothes on. Like no one yeah, was dressed no like dressed, Hodor. No one was dressed like Hodor. Like it's like, I like Star Wars. And I had an ex joke that like I would have a Yoda impersonator marry me. And I was like, no, no. Now would I play Star Wars music at my wedding? Yeah. Absolutely. But I'm not dressing like Princess Leia to get married. Incidentally, I actually, the one For thing me. though. <laughs> More power to you if you love it. I would have lightsabers at my wedding though. I we uh, we actually though walked down the aisle to married life from Up. Because yeah. I was like, who has the best love story in all films? It's Carl and it's Ellie up. from Up. So, And we, it'll make you cry. Yeah. I, it took me two tries to watch that movie because that beginning made me cry so hard. I was like, I don't think I can watch this movie right now. It's pretty bad. But it's great. It's great. Rough. So, Doug comes in for the win. Yes. So. Yes, absolutely. But Dawn of the Dead. Going, Dawn of the Dead. Sorry. Going back to Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> There's gonna be so much so, editing. No, I don't. So <laughs> let's talk about the consumerism aspect of it. Yeah. So we have them all, and you know, ever since seeing the original, not the original, the remake <laughs> of Dawn of the Dead, and I was like, this is my zombie plan because growing up, my friends and I all had our zombie plan. And like, to be honest, what's better than holding up in a mall? You have all your food, you have all, mm-hmm. all, your, all your clothes, and there's usually a gun store in there. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty fortified. It's a big concrete building. And I mean, it's, it's the place to be. Yeah. So when it comes to the consumerism aspect of it, though, 
Like, you have the zombies flocking there because, like, little sparks of their previous brain was like, this is an important place, and this is my, you know, sanctuary, and this is my idol. And what's interesting, what's interesting is the living also succumb to the allure of the mall. Yeah, Because, like, our heroes, when they're there, they're pretty reserved about it, but they still have shopping sprees, Mm -hmm. getting all their stuff. And then when the marauders come, the motorcycle gang comes, they go hog wild. They're like, woohoo! Yeah! And so it's like, it's not only the zombies, but also the living that, I mean, all this stuff is pretty much useless because, you know, there's no economy anymore. Society is destroyed. It's just objects now. But, like, they still can't help but, like, I want it all. Yeah. (laughs) I love the scene where she's just doing her makeup. Like, also, I'm, I almost, I wish I had done that makeup for this episode because it is hilarious. And incidentally, that scene was improvised. I mean, yeah, I hope she, like, is that what people did their makeup like in 1978? Because it was like hard blush line. It was great. But like, she's just like, I mean, what else would you do? Like, I, I feel like I got better at makeup during the pandemic because I was at home all the time. I was like, I don't know. How do you do a cut crease? Let me figure that out. Also, imagine like you're, <laughs> like, maybe you make minimum wage or maybe a little bit above minimum wage and suddenly you're able to you know just try on clothes that are way out of your budget and you're just wearing them around and you're not wearing them for anyone but you get to actually see and feel what those clothes are like on your body and just stuff like that it's Mm -hmm. like we crave those finer things Mm -hmm. and so it makes sense that like if you're stuck in this mall like yeah i'm gonna try on this high-end makeup or try on this two thousand (laughs) dollar outfit you know like yeah, so I, mean, I would. I, I get it completely. I don't know if it'd be practical, but it would be fun. Yeah, it's just interesting that I just wonder. I want to know when these malls started popping up. So this was made in seventy eight, mm-hmm. seventy seven. I just wonder good. when the malls came to be because I feel like the eighties is when it was like peak mall culture, yes. and then it started declining, and then now it's pretty much. It's done. Pretty. <laughs> yeah. It's just Amazon and online retailers now. Yeah. So I wonder if George Romero saw the whole mall craze coming. He was like, you know what? I'm going to talk about this. Yeah. You know, it's weird. I just had to Google it because I was curious. Um, the first shopping mall was the Country Club Plaza in 1922, which is crazy. Whoa. But the first enclosed mall was in Minnesota. I have cousins there. Um, in 1956, so it kind of like took it like 30 years to really catch on. Well, and also he said something like when he was like, so when his friend was showing him the Monroeville Mall, where of course the movie ended mm-hmm. up being filmed, he was they were like in a hidden passageway. He could see like the consumers, but they couldn't see him, and he noticed how like blissful, how blissful they looked. Like they just looked so, so happy. happy while they were shopping and Such mindless zombies. Yeah. Just- which is Michelle like, zombies. which is really just interesting to think about. I mean, I guess I, I am a person who loves to shop. Now, do I love, I, it's more of trying things on and looking at what they have than like the actual, like buying things is fun. But like, just like, it's fun. It passes the time. I like to do it as like a social thing. Like, but all of my friends, most of my friends do not like shopping. My mother hates shopping. So like, you could put me in a mall for hours and I would be fine. Yeah. But like. I have like one friend that likes to go shopping with me. Everyone else is like, I don't know, but it's fun. You get exercise. I think it's interesting though that they like, so we, we don't know exactly how much time has passed, but we do know 
at the beginning of the movie, yeah, at the beginning of the movie, Fern isn't showing. And at the end of the movie, she is showing, maybe nearing term. And so you're like, but still over the course of what, like maybe five, six months, they start to go stir crazy. They have everything at their fingertips and they still start going stir crazy. Well, but there's only four of them. Yeah. Then later three. Are, like, are we surprised? No. I mean, let's turn the clock back a couple of years. Oh my yeah. God, it was awful. <laughs> yeah. Like watching this now, it's like, this hits a little differently. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, the isolation will get you. I remember like, cause I, so when the pandemic hit, so I was, I worked in healthcare, but not emergency healthcare. So we can get PPE because they were putting it all to the hospitals and everyone was buying everything out. So like they had to furlough and I worked for like a national company. They furloughed everyone for like two weeks and that turned into several months. And it was like, what do I do with myself? Cause you couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't go out to the movies. You couldn't go do anything. Luckily we had just started the podcast. So I spent a lot of time editing um, and learning <laughs> how to edit because I was not very good at editing when we started the podcast. Um, and now we have our lovely editor, Ryan. So um, it's even better because um, I'm not that fast of an editor, but it was like, that stuff was cool. But after like two weeks of that, I was like, I just want to be normal again. And, you know, we thought it was going to be two weeks and then it was months and months and months. Yeah. And I'm glad I got to go back to work after a few months, but like some people couldn't and it was just, or they had to work from home and it was just like getting your groceries delivered and things like that. Mm -hmm. Like it was, it seems nice at first, but like, I swear if I hadn't downloaded Animal Crossing where I could like talk to people and like go visit their little, I mean, it's, I mean, I love Animal Crossing, but it's not a very like... Wow. It's not like a tough video game, but it's social. And it was yeah. like, it was like, this is nice. I get to like talk to people again, dressed as a weird creature, but you know, it's fine. Wow. But yeah, we've all been there. Yeah, we've all been there. And so it's, I totally uh, empathize with these characters because it's like, you have everything you need. And yet you're stuck. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like, I love the line before they even shacked up in the mall was, you know, I think it was uh, Francine that said this. She was like, if we stay here, it'll be a prison. Yeah. We yeah. won't leave. And it's like, it's true. Like I had so many friends during the pandemic, uh, one especially. So here in Chicago, we have these things called garden units. So it's kind of like a basement unit in an apartment building. And where he lived... Uh, the building had bars on the windows mm -hmm. to prevent people from breaking in. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he was like, I felt like I was in prison. Yeah. Like he couldn't leave because the virus and also the psychological bars on the window. He was like, I, I can't be in here. Yeah. That was, so it's awful. Also, just quick side note. Do you have TIE fighters and Death Star on your shirt or does it just kind of <laughs> look like that? It is. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> I just realized I was Subtle. like, TIE Fighter. Cool. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Sorry. I, my Empire poster is back there. So. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. Very yeah. Nice. I see it. Thank you. Admire too. So. It's interesting that you said that. It reminded me about Francine uh, because Fran is the first one that's like, wants to leave. Like, she's the one yeah. that's like, we need to leave. She's the, because there's she's this practical. great. There's this great moment, and uh, Katie knows this too, but um, I was a huge Monica Chemical Romance fan as a teenager, and the opening track on I Brought You My Bullets, You Brought Me Your Love is called Romance, and it plays during the dinner scene. <gasps> okay. Okay. So, you get it. 
you get it. Um, I've seen them five times oh gosh, live. Like Star Wars and my comes yes. romance. I've seen them five times live and met the band on the Black Prairie World yeah, Tour. She has. Yes. She has pictures. What? Yes. Yeah. So Umbrella Academy is there. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Um, I know. Brittany used to go to concerts. It was like her thing as a kid. She's like, oh yeah, I saw what? them in concert. They're really nice. Yeah. And I'm just like, I, I did not go see a lot of rock concerts. I just had to listen to them on my seat, on my Walkman. But, you know. It was, I mean, I, I love seeing them live every single time. But the Black Beret World Tour was just something completely different. And um, back in the day, we had the MC Army, <laughs> which was their promotion team. So I, I yeah. You were in it too? What was your, yeah. <laughs> what was your yesterday? <laughs> I don't remember. I was revenge over romance. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this is even better. This is even better. I so, um, I, I had friends because I was like, dude, I'm going to get like backstage passes. I want to meet the guys. So like, um, Mikey Way's birthday, I was handing out Milky Ways and having people take pictures of me handing out Milky Ways and stuff and putting it on the boards. Like, Hey guys, look, I'm uh, promoting my chemical romance. I'm handing out Milky Ways at high school. <laughs> but like, it so, worked. You got to meet them. And, like, I was going to FYEs and putting out, like, little banners and stuff and, like, taking pictures. Like, you see, I'm in the alternative CD section laying promotional down for the Black Parade World Tour. Um, I was that girl. Um, but if you... Did you look down on Blink-182 fans? No, no. I was like, Blink-182, I, <laughs> I kind of looked a little down on Fall Out Boy fans. Not, like, hey, that bad. No, I'm just kidding. Under the Cork Tree is a good album. <laughs> Under the Cork Tree is a great album. It's, it's not album. as good as Three Cheers to Sweet Revenge, but, you know... Um, but if you listen to I Brought You My Bullets, You Brought Me Your Love, Romance is from Dawn of the Dead. And early sex- I noticed that. Yeah. I was like, I know this song. Yeah, it's Romance mm-hmm. on I Brought You My Bullets, You Brought Me Your Love. And mm-hmm. then Early Sunset Silver so Monroeville is about Dawn of the Dead. You're right. Yep. Is it that? You're right. Yep. Well, oh God, I do think Gerard Way is a very into pop culture. And he, I mean, he wrote a freaking comic book about mm-hmm. like superheroes and I love it. Yeah. I'm I'm still trying to finish season two of Umbrella Academy, but I watched a couple episodes today and I love the music in it because you can tell he's a musician who wants to further other musicians because he'll use covers of popular songs, but he'll use bands that maybe aren't getting as much radio play to do those songs. There's there's like a it's not it's not quite mariachi, but it's like a Western version of what Oh, I'm just a. What is that? Song? Oh, what song? It, it's five and uh, Lila fight. It's a song, oh, oh. and I I listened to it on repeat. And it was like a little band, but I absolutely loved that cover. And I'm like, oh, like he's trying to get other people play, which I yeah. I really appreciate about him. And I'm glad he's producing it because I'm like, oh yeah, this is a musician that yeah is producing this because he's a, he's a cool guy he originally started at a cartoon network he was working on shows and uh did a pitch for an animated uh, animated show called the breakfast monkey that didn't get picked up saw 9-11 was like on a new jersey like going from new york to new jersey was on a ferry saw 9-11 happened and it was sparked him to create the band but um but yeah, romance is playing. They're the same friend, St. Peter and Steven are all having dinner and she just kind of stands up and she's just like, you can tell she's like reaching her breaking point. And I think yeah. that's when they start putting some supplies in the helicopter because they're thinking about leaving at the point. And it's actually the, the biker gang sees the helicopter. So which sparks the last half of the movie. Um, so yeah, sorry, I went on my chemical romance uh, tangent, but but I was sitting there, I was like, is no that, worries. I was like, that's romance. That's that's definitely romance. So um 
but yeah it's it's cool but it's i mean this movie is yeah. just brilliant and um so i uh the ending uh very recently so i i hear it and i'm like I just think of Robot Chicken, and I'm just like, and now I know. <laughs> I love that show. I now I know it's the music is called the Gaunch. The Gaunch is what the music is. Let's talk about the music for a second. So the beginning of this film, it was very serious. There's dread, and then as the film goes on, I don't know at what point. Uh, I think it's when they get to the mall and then they turn on the music in the mall. It's this weird, upbeat music, but it's not like, you know, a band. It's like carnival music. Yeah. Yes. And then the ending of the film is that Robot Chicken theme song. And it's like, what is happening? There's, It's just weird how it's like tonally different. How you have like uh, flesh-eating monsters. And then yeah. the music is like cartoon music and it's like is this for real right yeah. now? am i watching a fan edit of this movie i love <laughs> it it's like that great juxtaposition that you know because you hear that music but you hear the zombies like moaning underneath it yeah. yeah and it's like it's meant to be upbeat but then it's like literally the zombies are trapped forever in eternity and consumerism hell like and it's really dark mm. but funny mm -hmm. When yeah. you think well, there's it. a lot of darkly funny stuff in this too, where they'll be playing that, like when they're putting like the pies in the faces of the zombies, and then like, yes. wasn't there? The, I feel like the circus music was playing a little bit when Steven started walking around with the other zombies, and I. But there's also many mm -hmm. versions of this movie too. Yeah, that's the with thing that makes slightly it hard. different music because yeah. Dario Argento used Goblin, who also did the music for Suspiria, the original, um, for a lot of the music in the version that he edited. Um, but then, like, I watched a version that said U.S. version, and then Britt found a version that was the U.S. and the Italian version cut together. Yeah. And so it had a little bit of everything. So I, it's hard to figure out exactly where it's coming from, because there's almost, like, two different editors to this movie. And or I, the same group of people. And I didn't know that, um, because I thought originally that Goblin's music, the Argento music, music, was only in the Italian version, but it turns out he did use it. Um, Romero used it in parts of this movie too, but I can't tell what parts Goblin's score is being used in. So I'm not other than the Gaunch, which is the ending polka theme. I'm not for sure what's it might what. Just be that one. So, which by the way, it's the bad guy cover by the Interrupters from the oh the Billy Eilish. Song. But it's okay. got horn that kind of sounds almost like a mariachi band, That's and cool. I love it. It's, it's actually music. it's actually a good version of it. If you haven't listened to it yet, it's when he's I'll fighting with Milo. There's like a they're fighting in that warehouse, and I was like, I couldn't get it out of my head. Yeah, and it was thanks for. I know that band. I like. I had never heard of them before. And she's kerosene. Yes, it's a good song. Mm -hmm. And then I heard that song after I had found the bad guy cover through Umbrella Academy, and then on we had an alternative radio station in Alabama, and now it's just like rock. It's gone. It's just rock. Oh no! Really, I I prefer alternative rock i have found but they did play she's kerosene a lot sweet so <laughs> at least two songs by that band that I, like. yeah. I think it is the interrupters if it's not them it's great yeah so with this film i feel like if it was remade again uh by like a24 or something oh, shit. um yeah. i feel like the score would be more 
Great. dreadful and more atmospheric. And they wouldn't have this juxtaposition with like circus music. Um, it would it would just be like I don't know what's similar. Um, so you're thinking of oh, they did do Zola too, and Zola was like hilariously ironic the whole time. It's a great movie, by the way. But it's not a horror movie. No, but it is certainly a trip. So you think this movie, if it was remade in the year 2022, would just have no humor? It would just be very dark. Oh, absolutely. You know what? Maybe there would be some humor here and there, but it wouldn't be like, it would be like dry humor. Yeah. You know what I mean? I would, as long as there's some humor. I don't think I would like this movie if there wasn't humor. You know like, what? It's too depressing if there's no humor. You need some humor to lighten the mood so you can really bring you down. For, it's like Shakespeare. You know, there's a bunch of funny little right. scenes in Romeo and Juliet. I mean, Romeo and Juliet is my least favorite Shakespeare play. But there's a really funny like monologue where they're, well, when I saw it, the guy took a mask with a very long nose and made a big erection joke about, uh, was it Rosalind that uh, the first Romeo one likes that Romeo and likes, then who yeah. doesn't like him back? And he's like, Rosalind, Rosalind. He uses a, like one of those masquerade masks. It's real, it was really funny when I saw it. But there's a lot of like humor. There's a lot of gallows humor. So then you can be really sad in another two scenes. And I think you need that in horror films like even midsummer which is one of my favorite movies is horribly depressing but there are is comic relief throughout it yeah like and what why is that what is that a bear yeah what is it yeah it's a bear in a cage it's like okay it's funny but yeah well like thinking of zombie remake movies i know katie knows this i'm sure you do too oh, but it infuriates infuriates me but train to busan is being remade for american audience yeah, i don't know why why yeah because people don't like to read so even after squid games come on like and parasite well you can actually watch think... the dub of squid games it's very poor. i accidentally did. yeah it's poor but you can do it netflix assumes that i don't want to read subtitles apparently which offended I me can't do dubs so i watched I it, it. two thirds of the way because i was like is it stuck on dubbed and then i finally was like oh no i can just have subtitles but then I was too far in and I was kind of enjoying how bad the dubbing was. It was kind of hilarious, honestly. Like, especially I really loved her, but the the character that tries to like flirt with the big tough guy, mm -hmm. that lady, sh her dubbing is horrible, but it's yeah. really funny. Um, but I watched I want to go back and watch it without the dubbing and see if I like it better. I watched We Are All Dead. We are Yeah, oh yeah, the TV all series on Netflix. Dead. Yeah. I started watching that with and I turned the dubbing off. Thank God. We are all dead. All of us are dead. All of us are dead. I'm sorry. All it's, of us it's are a new zombie Korean it, TV yeah, series. Korean. Also, okay. Sweet, Home. Sweet Home is also good. But I haven't finished but, Sweet Home. You know what? I don't think, and guys, correct me if I'm wrong, but other than like Zombie Land 2, what is the most recent zombie film we've seen on a mass scale? Like other than Shaun World of the War dead. C. Other than World War C. I'm talking about like kinetic, so like old. Train to Busan is like fast, kinetic. There's tons of them. They're everywhere. So. Uh -huh. I guess that's why we trained to Busan is the latest big zombie film. Yeah, but is tra is the American say. version gonna make me cry? Like Trained to Busan made me cry. Like that movie's great. It'll make you cry in different reasons. Oh, yeah, unfortunately, how bad it is. That's such a good, and I will never think of the. They didn't they sing the Aloha? Oh, my, song? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Which Lilo and Stitch already got me on that one. Yeah. one time, and then you're like, "Are you really gonna use that song again? Yeah, why sure is that are. song depressing?" why it's it shouldn't be it should just be happy but you know what now that you mention it i would love to see 
okay, let's go ahead and say it, guys. If someone else is going to take on zombies, it needs to be Jordan Pill. <gasps> yes. Absolutely. I think he would be the great, he would be the perfect guy to do it because, because he has that perspective of yes. being African American. And where did the zombie mythos come from? Yeah. It came yeah. from, I think, Caribbeans, it, right? The Caribbean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, have you ever seen? Is it Black Rainbow? What oh, the Serpent, Serpent and the, and the Rainbow. Serpent and the Rainbow. Yeah. What is the other one I'm thinking of? Anyways, yeah. but Serpent and the Rainbow is another zombie movie, but it's more psychological. But what, it's but interesting. Jordan Pill also it's, has it's what we're movie. looking for. So he has comedy in his films, but he also has that metaphor and that satire. Yes. But that, he that yes. strong writing. He's such a he. I love that he makes very tough discussions so palatable. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it, he does have humor in his movies. Like the beginning of Get Out is very funny. And you're just like, oh, these people are just kind of weird or, oh, they're kind of racist, but at least it's kind of funny. And then you're like, oh, oh, it's not funny. And then it's just like your heart just sinks and you're just so worried for this character. And then the end, well, I'm not going to ruin the ending. Well, whatever. Uh, the ending is like great. Yeah, but there's also some humor in the ending, so he never loses it. I'm not going to ruin it for people. Just go watch Get Out, well, the- um, and watch uh, Us because Us is a whole different kind of yeah um, uh, social satire about classism and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. family and what makes us an individual and what makes us a person. And anyways, and yeah. Lupita should have gotten more nominations. Yeah. Anyways, well, we know nope. We know nope next month, which nope is my most anticipated film nope. of the year. So excited! Uh, nope is taking on aliens, so why not take on zombies? I'm watching literally nothing but the teaser trailer because Get Out was ruined for me with that trailer. Um, which if you haven't seen Get Out, don't watch the trailer. Okay, just watch it. but seriously, petition for Jordan Pill to do a zombie. Film. I want him to do. Well, he already did a Key and Peel sketch about racist zombies. Have you seen? Oh that? yeah, great. Like. <laughs> Oh my god, he wouldn't let her bite us. Oh my god, it's great. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, I love Key and Peele. It's one great. of the best things in the world. I'm so glad. And it brought us Get Out and Us. And hopefully Nope is great. And then Ari Aster is coming out with Disappointment Boulevard. Oh yeah, Joaquin and Walking Phoenix. On. Yeah. So It's an important yeah. And you have uh, The Whale coming out with uh, Brendan Fraser. Oh yeah. Where he plays a 600 pound man. Oh, Brendan. But, you yes, know, Doom good. Patrol also I started watching because of Dear Brendan. I We are yes. Brendan Fraser stands. I, I will say good. that uh, nothing so far, and Katie's heard me go on, on and on about this, nothing so far has topped everything everywhere all at once for me yet. Which I haven't gotten to see yet. But it's coming on streaming soon. So it is. I will get it's one of my favorite movies I've ever seen now. So it's excited. so good. It's, yeah. That's right. I'm excited. So, all right. We reached the end of the show, so the way we like to end this is getting off the fence. So I have a series of questions, and we're going to get definitively off the fence. Are you two ready? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so my first question is, so this is about the ending of the film. So we touched upon it, so as our main characters fly off into the distance in a helicopter, do you think they found a safe space, or do you think they will eventually succumb to the undead? I think they're survivors and much like Destiny's Child, they're not going to give up. So I think they find a safe space. And it's funny because usually Katie's the optimist to me being pessimistic and nihilistic. Um, But I actually do agree. I think they survived. They're smart. Okay. I think, I want to think they survived as well. Yeah. I want to be hopeful. Yeah. 
I mean, I think they're so, going to find some more gasoline for sure, but yeah, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. So do you think this film specifically Dawn of the Dead cements George Romero's legacy as the grandfather of modern day zombies? Yes. He, yes. If it wasn't already. Yeah. I mean, Night of the Living Dead was already a treasure, but then it's like he, he did bigger and arguably better with yes. this one. So. Yeah. Mm. So do you think uh, Dawn of the Dead is the best film out of his zombie career? Uh, Romero's? I, I personally think so. Because I think Dawn, Night, then Day, and then honestly, I forget about the other two. Yeah. Which sounds really mean. So. Yeah, I do forget about the other ones. Day's kind of fun because they're in that compound. Mm-hmm. And there's a little more humor. And it's a little wacky. Zombies start becoming self-aware. Yeah. yeah. Right. Kind of fun. And I know there's a lot more symbolism in that one, but I think Dawn is still, I think it's probably the best because I think he figured out where he wanted to go with it. Yeah. Whereas Night of the Living, I love it, but it is kind of a little, little isolation. Yeah. Because the whole action is taking mainly place in like the farmhouse too. So, and also Night of the Living Dead is like, I love that it changed. It was a game changer and it was so great. But this one. It's just so interesting. It's just such a large scale. And there's a lot of, I felt like it was throwing spaghetti against the wall. They didn't know yeah. if a lot of things were going to stick, but it did. And it's great. It's like you said, you've never seen a movie like this where it's like, it's so serious. And then there's just these moments of comedy and you're like, it's so out there, but yeah. it makes it so memorable at the same time. And rewatchable. Yeah. Absolutely. I want to still, I don't know. I'm still a stand for Night of the Living Dead. Still think that's his best film. But like this, you know, it's it's bigger. Yeah. It's better. It's in color. Yeah. Um it does have that it's definitely it's it's like the first film with a higher budget. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's what he probably meant to do the whole time. You know what I mean? Like I feel like he yeah. knows what he's doing. I love Night of the Living Dead though. And it's very historical. And I I think it did a lot for, you know, acceptance and representation too. accidentally. He just, he just, you know, hired Dwayne Jones because he was the best actor, but it ended up making a real statement about uh, diversity and representation and stuff. So it it does have that. This one's more about consumerism. I still think the original Night Living Dead is such like a kick to the stomach, though, that Ben survives everything only get taken out by rednecks. Like yes, like it's which they come back in this movie because they're flying over and they're like, I bet those rednecks are just loving it. And you see a farmhouse, yes. and you're like, is is that the farmhouse? It looks very much like, and it. they do it's look like sequel. they're loving it. They're like, loving it. Which we live in Alabama, so yeah, that is what would happen. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't don't go to the outskirts. Uh, <laughs> that's exactly what would happen. Well, I would stay outskirts in the Bama. But you know, oh, what? we also USA. live in the Bible Belt, though. So it's like, yeah, there's a lot of guns, but there's also like churches and cemeteries on every corner. So yeah, <laughs> like it's like, oh, like, it's like, pretty scary. It's like the Church of the Gun. I mean, there is one of those in Texas. It's like Church of the Rifle or something, and everyone has like bullets or something. It's like a cult, like borderline cult. I can't remember. Last podcast on the left talked about it once, and I was like, of course there is, of course. Yeah, there's a Lonesome Dove Church um in north alabama that i used to pass going on back roads to visit people and i would like it's like an old western tv series my grandfather loved i was mm-hmm. like there's a church it's the lonesome Dove church i was like of course there is why not 
uh really stupid and i'll make it quick i promise but in montevallo where we went to school there's a church of the holy comforter and i just bought it like of a mattress every time i passed it so like no that's an it's old really, school church that's like it's, it's really stupid but i'm just like every time i see that or sign I'm like don't eat fish it like takes me a minute <laughs> it's it's real fun it's people are interesting in the south and we both uh moved here when we were children so yeah. like we we had to acclimate to southern culture you know it takes a while mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands and the best part they're all about safe ethical and responsible manufacturing Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm a northerner. Yeah, yeah my family is understand. Cincinnati, so I call it Cincinnati, but Cincinnati, so. And I'm a Hoosier, Cincinnati. so we're from Indiana yeah. originally, so. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we make it work. Midwest. Um, so yeah, and then with so going back to Night of the Living Dead, mm -hmm. so like you had that iconic ending where he gets taken out by not zombies but other people yeah. by mistake. Um, and then in the beginning you had the iconic line, "They're coming to get you, Barbara." They're coming to get you. Love it. With Dawn of the Dead, are there any memorable? lines other than there's no more room in hell the dead shall rise again Definitely. Yeah. other than that is there like an iconic scene is there like what, i love what the pie think? in the face zombies and the harry krishna zombie is like so memorable because you see it in the beginning and you're like oh that's a weird song it's just because the orange clothes and the blue face oh yeah. auburn fans <laughs> anyways sorry alabama football stuff um and you're like oh i noticed them and then like when they attack fran and you're like oh and then just oh i love the harry krishna did i say vampire i'm gonna say zombie. no no you're good <laughs> i think the most memorable scenes to me is so uh steven as a zombie i think is absolutely terrifying because uh. he's the best zombie i've ever seen like between that dangling gun and that in foot shuffle um i still think the ending credits where it has the gaunch song and you hear the zombies moaning and the tower strikes 
like the clock strikes. Yeah. I'm like, it's hilarious and horrifying at the same time. And I love it. Like it's so just strange um and out there. Yeah. And then the gore in this movie. Um oh the, the machete through the head. Oh yeah. Zombie which yeah. I think is one of the reasons why they probably picked blue because the red was gonna really pop on the zombie faces well you guys mm. i know we mentioned walking dead so you know now it's kind of like we're desensitized in the opening uh the opening first episode of the walking dead where it sees the little girl zombie yeah. and it's like but when yeah. these kids zombies appeared in this movie it was like oh my was god they're George children Romero's nieces and nephews apparently yeah yeah <laughs> uh ken forey said he did not enjoy killing the children yeah, well, they didn't. He they didn't even tell him that he was going to be attacked by that. children. So, yeah. like, his expression is really real because they not only are they kids, but they run at him. And so yet they still let him work at Nickelodeon the next in like twenty years. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love him. He's the best dad on that show. Oh my god! So, like, with this film, it's like it was it was groundbreaking when it came out, yeah. both yeah. culturally and you know the special effects and uh, the gore depicted. It was definitely you know ahead of its time. And then us with our modern sensibilities and what we're used to with our horror films, we see this and it's like, this is, this is JV shit. Yeah. This is, yeah. this is nothing. But like, you could see like, this is where it all started. Yeah. You know, because of this, we have what we have now. Well, I even think, and um, so I'm not like as big of a gamer as Katie, but I grew up with Resident Evil and I love oh, yeah. Resident Evil. Uh, and just like, it's funny because you even see like hints of the Romero, like, they are the Romero's like you see like hints of them in the Resident Evil series and you're like wow like the influence like literally rippled across the world and you never really realize it until you go back and watch these movies yeah because especially if you play the first couple ones they are George they're Romero zombies they're slow moving Uh, and you can run past them and stuff (laughs) um that is is a great series I love Mm -hmm. I like playing the seven with the I got a PSVR and it is actually very fun to play in VR, but you have to aim with your face. So you can't not look at it, which is tech. Yeah. It is cool. Cause you can look around corners though. So like, cause you're stalking around that house the whole time, but yeah. you get, if you get VR, definitely play Resident Evil seven. Cause it's one of the few games that's enhanced by VR. There's yeah. a lot of times like Skyrim. I just kept glitching into rooms that I wasn't supposed to be in. And then I couldn't lock pick my way out. So and I'm such a nerd because I'm like, the remake for GameCube is my favorite. But it's because you had to be so tactical because the zombies, if you shot them and you didn't burn them with your lighter, oh, yeah. they come back yes. even stronger and faster. I so. have four in several different on several different consoles because mm-hmm. four is very interesting. And the remake, the original, like you're in the mansion from the first one, like which Romero, fun fact, guys, uh, for uh, Resident Evil 2, which is another one of my favorites, he mm-hmm. directed the trailer for resident evil 2 so it's like a short film it's really cool yeah you know yeah because that's when you're in the police station Mm -hmm. that's a fun one i i have it on n64 and i still you can actually do the cheat code it does actually work where you do the up down the side to side whatever you do i did it and i was invincible it was great because it's already hard enough to solve all the freaking puzzles you know yeah but sweet so my final question would you recommend Dawn of the Dead to a friend? Oh, yeah. Yeah. If nothing else, then to get a grip on the genre of zombie films and to appreciate it. And it's fun. There's funny stuff in it. It's. I feel like Night of the Living Dead, I would say you should see it, but it is a little more serious. And I feel like some people probably, because it's not gory enough, would be like, eh, this is, I don't think it's boring, but I can hear that. 
but this has humor in it. It's in color because for some reason, some people just can't watch something that's not in color. And it's got an interesting hook with the consumerism. There's some symbolism. George Romero mm-hmm. always has some kind of symbolism in his movies, which I just appreciate um, having that undercurrent all the time. Also, Tom Savini. I don't know anything where he just has a bit part in. I love waiting for him to just pop out and be some crazy person with a machete. So I would say I would recommend the U.S. theatrical cut to anybody, Definitely but maybe one. like the director's cuts, like. I would recommend to certain people. Some of them are too long. Yeah, they can be a little bit too long. There's a lot of exposition. And my husband was sitting there watching it with me. And he said, I don't really feel like this scene was needed. And he said that like two or three times. And um, indeed, it was not. It's kind of like, you know, when you're a Tarantino fan, there's like a few Tarantino movies you can recommend to anybody. And then like with me, I love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But a lot of people don't because it's like, it's a lot of talking. And I was like, that's what the dialogue is, what makes Tarantino great. But you not, not see you Reservoir can't. Reservoir Dogs, there's a whole sequence where they're literally just sitting at a breakfast table talking. Well, then there's a shootout, like, you know, so. Yeah. But that's the kind of things I think about where it's like there may be a particular type of person that enjoys it and, like, I really enjoy it. But I'm like thinking of like my average friend or family member. I'm like, would they enjoy this version? No, they probably enjoyed this version of it better. Yeah. Right. I, I watched something called the Extended Edition. I think that's what Britain Remastered. Mm hmm. And like I was like, this is great, but like I felt like some scenes could have got cut. Yeah. yeah, I watched the U.S. 1978 cut, and it was two hours exactly. I think it was, and honestly, some of it could have gotten trimmed still, but yeah. it was perfectly entertaining, and it didn't drag on too long. Also, I hadn't watched it in forever, so I was like, wait, I was confused how long they spent at the apartment complex. Oh, yeah. I was like, that was a very long sequence that I was like, what are they getting to the mall? And then they finally got there. But I was I'm like, this is the movie with the mall, right? I, thought, I was like, on? did I pick the wrong movie? I, what, do 30 I minutes in, where's the mall? The mall. They get there. They get there, guys. Don't worry. <laughs> so, personally, I would definitely recommend this to a friend. Um, yeah, I feel like Night of the Living Dead is more for an acquired taste more people that are into cinema yeah well this is more of a more accessible film because one like you said it's in color and there's more gore which people want to see when they watch a zombie movie it's like okay let's see the kills and this movie definitely has them and great special effects even for the time and they still hold up you've got a lot of action at the top and at the end and the middle is kind of Mm -hmm. more scenes yeah so classic b movie yeah Front load the the front and the back. Can we call it a B movie though? Because I feel like this is I I feel like it's got like a ninety two percent I think on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, it's a really really good B movie yeah. in my opinion. It's still a B movie. There's no famous people in it. Hey, Keenan's kind of a... dad. Keenan's dad. Ken Ford. It's funny you mentioned that though because I think in retrospect and. and I mean, they. I was looking them up on Wikipedia, and they're all doing things, which is great. And yeah, I, yeah, they are. The actor that played Stephen was a cook, so I think he may be or a chef, so he may be back doing chef work. I'm not sure. Yeah. But I think that also gives a believability factor too. That it's like it could be just anyone because you don't really recognize them from right. other movies or other roles. Yeah. So I say, that is helpful in these kinds of situations to mm-hmm. have an everyman because sometimes like I will say like watching the Northman I was kind of dis- this sounds mean I was disappointed Nicole Kidman was in it because I just see Nicole Kidman at this point like because she's oh, in yeah. everything and she's 
I won't say she's playing the same person. She's a fantastic actress. I love her. But at this point, she's not a person anymore. She's not a character anymore. She's herself. I will say she's like George Clooney. Yeah. yeah, but I will say you just see the her actor. character yeah. had enough of a turn that I was like, okay. But I was that was the one that I was like, I don't know, I don't know why is she in this famous and I'm like, person. What? I know who you are. Yeah, I know you too much. I can't immerse. I mean, I know who Alexander Skarsgård is too. Obviously, I watched True Blood and uh, Big Little Lies. But you know what? I watched. He is the Northman. He is a Viking. Basically, he is like the modern equivalent of a Viking. He is the Northman. I mean, he's Eric Northman too, which yeah. is hilarious. Yeah. I was like, did he do that on purpose? Um, so, like, <laughs> he was very believable. And Anya Taylor Joy hasn't done enough for me to. She changes her look up for things too. Like she's willing oh, to yeah. fix her hair, do whatever, and she immerses herself. And uh, she's amazing. I love her. Ugh. Did you get to see Last Night in Soho? Yeah. I, I liked it. It got a little weird, but yeah, was, we went I to the We wore trench coats. It was raining that night. So we were like, oh, good. We can wear trench coats and just match. And it was great. And I was so looking forward to it. The ending got weird, but the whole yeah. thing's beautiful. And I think I said when the movie credits rolled, I was like, it wasn't bad. It just wasn't great. It wasn't his best, but I yeah. thought no. cinematically what he did to film that film was amazing. Like cinematography all, was on. Yeah, and how he I really like the stabbing scene where you see the reflection yeah. of the eyes and the knife. Oh, yeah. Ugh, I love Edgar Wright. I, I even his like not best day is still ten times better than a lot of people's like best stuff. <laughs> I'm still yeah. like, I mean, was it his best? No. Was I thoroughly entertained? Absolutely. It's not quite Shaun of the Dead. Hot Fuzz is actually my favorite. And you know, I love Scott Pilgrim, so. Scott Pilgrim's great, too. But Hot Fuzz, I can quote most of that movie. And it also has a really bad version of Romeo and Juliet in it. Just a. Yes. Oh, Did you see Spaced? Yes, I love that show so much. I love that. And that was Edgar Wright's first directing. And Jessica Hines and... um, Shit, what the hell is his name? Simon Pegg. Yeah, Simon Pegg. Oh my god, our Nick Lord and Savior. I'm just kidding. But um would he be our Lord? I think I always joke on my Kiwi's dad. So um if you haven't seen have you seen Space Jam? No, but my co it's great. You and my coworker have the same taste and he's always talking about space. I love too, space. So. I love it. It's and great. it has so many movie references. Like in the first move show, there's like like comic books and then there's star wars and there's like a shining reference in the first episode and i was like i am here for this i love this show and it's only two seasons Uh, but they're two glorious seasons so that's right oh it's a great show okay sorry are we are we ready to wrap this up i think we are we went on just a bit of a tangent that's okay all right so let's wrap this up but that's it for the Simon Syndicate. We hope you enjoyed yourself. We've been talking about Dawn of the Dead. Please check it out where it is available. And before we go, thank you so much for coming out to Syndicates. Thank, thank you. you so much for having it's us. So fun. It's been a great time. Absolutely. So where can our listeners hear more about your show? The Grindhouse Girls podcast is available on all major podcast availability sites. What do you say? Listening pods. Uh, Spotify, <laughs> Apple, Google. Um, sure you can find us pretty much everywhere and we're nice. Grindhouse Girls Pod um, pretty much on all of our social media we have Instagram for sure we do have a YouTube channel that we hardly we posted like the first three episodes that are horrible on 
um, where I didn't know how to edit, and it's way too, we tried to we tried to cover Midsummer and Hereditary on the same it episode. Was a that was a mistake. It was a bad um, but if you want to cringe with us, uh, those are still available there. And TikTok, we do have a TikTok account too that we post to like, and I do artwork for every episode, so we usually do a video of me doing the artwork, and then sometimes Bert did a really good video like version for Malignant that is pretty freaking hilariously awesome we also so. my favorite is still we did a parody of jonathan glazer's under the skin with, with my dog, dog with my dog riley yeah. yes so wow yes so <laughs> check us out on tiktok and instagram and listen we are doing bi-weekly for the summer but we generally post every wednesday so um and in the fall we'll be Sweet. still posting every week cool yeah. yeah i saw some of your some of your stuff online and it's good shit Thanks. 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 We're, you know. I was like, oh, very cool. Thank you. We also, I got a couple of your episodes and I loved it. Oh, thank you. So whenever you want to come on ours, just let us know. Yeah, just let me know. I'll be there. Yay. But if you'd like to keep this conversation going, please add us on your favorite social media platform at Syndicate. That is Syndicate on Instagram and Letterboxd. Or join the Discord server where you can catch myself along with other podcasters and listeners talking about this film and others at syndicate.com forward slash discord. Until next time, stop that scroll and spend more time watching. Goodbye. Bye.